Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our devotionals in Zechariah. Uh, this morning, we're carrying our way through Zechariah chapter three, and we're looking at this of uh, Joshua the high priest standing in the presence of the Lord. So I'm going to read Zechariah chapter three verses. Uh, well, actually, you know, what? I'm going to read from verse one up to verse seven because I think it's good to keep refreshing ourselves with uh, what this vision is and and how it progresses forward as we've been doing the last few days. So Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 to 7 says this. Then the angel showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations. Satan, yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. So the angel said to the other standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins. And now I'm giving you these fine clothes. Then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Joshua and said, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my people and the courtyards. I will let you uh, walk among these others standing there. Now, up to uh, yesterday, what we saw is that Satan comes to accuse Joshua. And then we saw that God uh, silences Satan, and, and yesterday we saw how he silences him by acting. He silences by uh, meeting Satan's accusations and hollowing them out. So Satan's saying that Joshua is a sinner, that he's unfit to be in the presence of God, he's unfit to be a priest. And so what does God do? He takes off Joshua's filthy clothes, he takes off his sin, and he clothes them in pure clothing, in in, in his righteousness. And this is obviously a, a, a picture of uh, the believer, this is a picture of Joshua here represents all of God's people. We all stand with dirty clothes and the Lord comes to meet us through Christ and dresses us in his righteousness. As we saw yesterday, this is a picture of the cross and what Jesus does on the cross for us. But this morning, what I want us to focus on is how something quite uh, incredible then comes from that. I said yesterday how it's not just good enough for God to forgive us. He also needs to give us his righteousness. So by clothing us in pure clothing, God is already going above and beyond. But in verses five, six and seven, something even more than that starts to come about. Something even bigger than simply clothing us in righteousness comes to progress. In verse five, it says they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes. And then verse six and seven that the angel of the Lord speaks to Joshua and says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among the others standing there. In other words, when God saves Joshua and God clothes him in his righteousness, he then immediately afterwards commissions him to be his priest, to be the one who stands in the presence of God interceding on behalf of the people. And so 
Joshua here is given this amazing privilege. And so the progression of the story is he goes from being one dressed in soiled clothes. And as I said on Tuesday, the word there for, for his, his describing his filthy clothes is a, is a very strong word in the original language. It, it means excrement, literally. So he's there in these dirty, disgusting clothes with Satan sneering at him, you know, and, and piling out these accusations, which are completely true. And the vision ends... Or it's rather it comes to its end with Joshua dressed in pure clothing and commissioned as a priest in God's house with authority. So it's quite an amazing progression, really. And I want to say this. This is not just a picture of one high priest back 2,500 years ago called Joshua. This is a picture of how the Lord meets all his people. I'm just reminded, for instance, of uh, Revelation chapter 1. In Revelation chapter 1, in the prologue where John is uh, reflecting what Christ has done for us, he says this, All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us kings and priests to God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. The Lord has forgiven our sins by the shedding of his blood. He, he's loved us, but he's also made us kings and priests to God. It's, it's, a, it's a privilege that we stand in. Um, at some point, we need to ask, really, well, what is the role of the priest? You know, is, is the role of the priest to uh, offer sacrifices, for instance, or is the priest the one that you have to go to in order to talk to God? Well, yes, that is the role of the priest. And so what does it mean that we say that we are all commissioned as God's people to be priests? Revelation 1 said, we'll look at another passage in a moment. What does it mean for us to all be priests? Very simply this, there is no intermediary. There's no one that you need to go to in order to talk to God himself. You know, what does uh, 1 Timothy 2 say, for instance? Uh, 2 Timothy 2, sorry. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Why is Jesus able to be the mediator that we need? Because he is both God and man. And so when we come to God, we aren't going through any other intermediary except God himself, Jesus. It's an amazing privilege that we have, and we should never take it for granted that we pray directly to God. We come to God. We don't need to go through another person. Now, that's not to say that the office of elder or minister or preacher that we see in the New Testament is therefore uh, defunct or, or obsolete. There have been some churches in history, for instance, who have said, well, if we're all priests, no preachers, we all just sit in a circle and we just chat together. But there's a there's a different function going on there. A priest is not necessarily the one who leads and who directs. A priest is, is talking about the privilege one has before God. So, for instance, the fact that I can pray and lead us in prayer and you can pray too, and we can read the Bible and interpret it for ourselves, these are priestly functions. That's not to say that everyone who is a priest can uh, tell the elders of their church what to do, though. But nonetheless, I don't want us to miss the privilege of what it is that we can say that God has made us priests. There have been times of history where this has been forgotten. In times before the Reformation, for instance, there was a, a keen sense that you could not talk to God yourself. You had to go to your priest. You could not ask God for forgiveness yourself. Forgiveness could only be granted to you from God via the priest. 
Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God himself forgives directly through his spirit. We also see that Joshua is, is given the privilege of authority over the temple. Now, when you get to the New Testament, how is the temple being described? The temple is the believer filled with the spirit. So part of our priestly role in that case is to have authority over our bodies, which are filled with the spirit to put sin to death. In fact, I won't go into the stories, but there are plenty of examples in the Old Testament where priests literally had to put sin to death. And now we are given that charge over our own body to be priests to ourselves, but also to our community, to to equally intercede on behalf of those around us, to be praying for people, to be um, confessing our sins to one another and, and reminding people, you are forgiven. That power doesn't come from us. That power comes from God. And no one has to come to us necessarily to receive it. But nonetheless, let's not forget that Jesus himself commissions us to forgive other people's sins in his name. And so it's a it's a huge privilege, as I say, that we have uh, with this role that Joshua himself receives here in Zechariah 3 to be a priest to God. Now, I just want to finish with First uh, Peter 2. If you're part of the Vine Church and, and you're watching this, well, this time last year we were going through First Peter and we never should be uh, never go too far from this book. It's a fantastic book. And I love 1 Peter 2, where he's describing who the church is. He's saying, this is who you are. And he says, but you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. What amazing truths that we uh, believe and proclaim. Let's pray as we reflect on that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that just like as Joshua stands before your presence, covered in filthy rags, to yet you clothe him and commission him to be your priest. Lord, we thank you that we too have that privilege, that though we stood before you in rags, you clothed us in the righteousness of Christ and you put a clean priestly turban on our head and you commissioned us to be your priests. Lord, we pray that by your spirit, you would empower us to fulfill that role. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.